Hi there, this is John Falola. Thank you so much for joining me on today's broadcast of Sea Tribe Global Community. It's so amazing to always bring you God's word and it's a real privilege. Thank you for the 439 listenership. It's because of you I do what I do anyways. So I go straight to the world. We're reading it from Genesis 42, all true. And our topic remains seven leadership. This is part four. When Jacob learned there was corn in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why don't you do something? I hear that there's corn in Egypt. Go there and buy some to keep from starving to death. So Joseph's ten, ten half brothers went to buy corn in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's full brother, Benjamin, with them because he was afraid that something might happen to him. That's a nudging. And that nudging or premonition will eventually play out later on in the scriptures. Can you see that God speaks to us depending on how we listen? The sons of Jacob came with others, this verse 5, to buy corn because there was famine in the land of Canaan. Joseph, as governor of the land of Egypt, was selling corn to people from all over the world. So Joseph's brother came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them and he he acted as if he did not know them. He asked them, Ashley, where do you come from? Where have you come from? We have come from Canaan to buy food, they answered. Verse 8. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. He remembered the dreams he had dreamt about them and said, You are spies. You have come to find out where our country is weak. No, sir, they answered. We have come as your slaves to buy food, and we are all brothers. We are not spies, so we are honest men. Joseph said to them, No, you have come to find out where our country is weak. They said, We are twelve brothers in all, sirs, son of the same man in the land of Canaan. One brother is dead, and the youngest is now with our father. It is just as I said. Joseph answered, You are spies. This is how you be tested. I saw by the name of the king that you will never leave unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get him. The rest of you will be kept under guard until the truth of what you say can be tested. Otherwise, as the king leaves, he dies. Then he puts them in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man and I will spare your lives on one condition to prove that you are honest. One of you will stay in the prison where you have been kept. The rest of you may go and take back your starving families Take back to your starving family the corn that you have bought. Then you must bring your youngest brother to me. This will prove that you have been telling the truth and I will not put you to death. They agreed to this and said to one another, Yes, now we are suffering some the consequences of what we did to our brother. We saw the great trouble he was in when he begged for help, but we will not listen. This is why we are in this trouble now. Ruben said, I told you not to harm the boy but you wouldn't listen and now we are being paid back for his death joseph understood what they said but didn't so they were probably speaking in aramaic uh, which is a 
a language of the Hebrews, and uh, in Egypt, a different language was spoken, anyways. So, Joseph understood this is 23. Joseph understood what they said, but they didn't know it because they had been speaking to him through an interpreter. Joseph left them and began to cry. When he was able to speak to them again, he came back, picked up Simeon, and had him tied up in front of them. Joseph gave orders to fill his brother's pass return to each man's money back, money back in the sack. To put each man's money back in the sack and to give them food for the journey. This was done. The brothers loaded their donkeys with corn they had brought. And then they left. And they spent the knife. One of them opened his sack to feed his donkey and found his money at the top of the sack. Money has returned to me. He called to his brothers, Yeah, it is in my sack as well. These their hearts sank, and in fear they asked one another, What has God done to us? When they came to their father, Jacob in Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. The governor of Egypt spoke harshly to us and accused us of spying against his country. We are not spies, we answered. We are honest men. We are, we were twelve brothers in her, sons of the same father. One brother is dead, and youngest is still in Canaan to our father. The man answered, this is how I will find out if you are honest men. One of you will stay with me. The rest will take the country to your same family and leave. Bring your youngest brother to me, then I will know that you're not spies but honest men. And I will give your brother back to you, and you can stay here and trade. Then, when they emptied out their sacks, every one of them found his bag of money. And when they saw the money, they and their father, Jacob, were afraid. Their father said to them, Do you want to make me lose all my children? Joseph is gone, Simon is gone. Now you want to take away Benjamin? I am the one who suffers. Reuben said to his father, If I do not bring Benjamin back to you, you can kill my two sons. Put him in my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son cannot go with you. This brother, his, his brother is dead, and he's the only one left. Something might happen to him on the way. I'm an old man, and the sorrow you will cause me will kill me. The word of the Lord. So, you know, we've done some exposition on the story of joseph and it's amazing even the things that has been unraveled i even need to listen to the messages myself so this is for those people who you know after you've had a series of bad experiences in your life many many people close they close the door close the window and sure that nobody even comes in and out of their lives. Why some people will still welcome them with open arms? Why some people will do what Joseph has done to vet if they're really a changed person? So some will be asking, maybe he was trying to implicate them. No, we're trying to find out if they were really, you know, for them to have told a lie about his death. He was trying to find out if they were actually a changed personality. And that's how they verify if his brother was alive without telling them that he's the one and um, this is for anyone out there who's been dealt a bad con about life you know as long as you have interactions with men there will always be friction there will always be misunderstanding there will always be cases of unusual cases of wickedness though you know and there will be people who make genuine mistakes 
But in all of this, I've always learned not to put the blame or question on any other person but you. And this has helped me a great deal to navigate through every phase of my life. I realized that I pick myself up after any bad incident and I ask myself, what is the next move? This is what servant leaders do. They look at a problem and they're not trying to look for somebody to blame for the present state that they find themselves. They take responsibilities and say to themselves, what is the next course of action? How do you get out of this mess? How do you translate it into what it should be really? So, I hope you are, I hope you are taking note of that. Some leaders are those who take responsibility for their situations in life and turn it around. So in the old story, he wanted to, to verify his family with a simple goal. He wanted to test them to see if they were changed personalities. Or probably he wanted to just have a feel of what they did to him. So he arrested. You know, and Simon is probably the one that should have prevented the whole event, I think. Um, but what is quite important is this. We don't get to choose how our destinies are fulfilled. No matter how, I'll tell you the story. I used to be very, very precarious about life. I used to be very careful about my actions. And I, and I found out something, all the things I dreaded the most, all the things I didn't want to be attributed with my life caught up with me as they were chasing me seriously. And it dawned on me that life really you don't get to choose how you fulfill destiny. You can only get to choose how you live your life. So, good things can happen to you. Bad things can happen to you. Even if you're a good person. So, how do you navigate, you know, very devastating circumstances that probably take out pieces of you? You know, you know I would just take you back to the story of a cocoon. You know, when a cocoon wants to metamorphose into a full-blown butterfly, a series of death faces happen. So, I want to believe that those who go faster in life or fulfill destiny in the most comfortable way are those who put themselves to death naturally by discipline and consistency. But those who find it harder are those who allow circumstances put them to death consistently. So the choice is yours to always pay the price before preempted by circumstances or unforeseen uh, realities. So in these circumstances now, we have agreed that seven leaders are proactive. You know, they try to take charge of circumstances where they find themselves. So you don't have to wait for someone to tell you you're a leader. You own up to it and get things done. So now, if you are listening to me and you are a steward, you saw how accountability works. This guy said the same thing word for word to Joseph. And he translated the same thing word for word to Jacob. That's accountability. Accountability is simply if something is white in New York, it is white in Nigeria. Accountability doesn't lie. It's just like data. It is what you see. It's like it's reality, really. 
So we all need those measures in our areas of leadership, whether you're in business or public service or public public leadership offices. Offices, you need those checks and balances that helps everybody to know um, the do's and don'ts, and there has to be that room of freedom for other people to also express creativity, not to be buried in the midst of rules and all of that. So, you know the amazing part about this? You saw how, instead of the young man to be bitter, he went and he cried, you know, and I like that fact, because he showed that he had, yes, he was hot, but I'm very sure that the turn of events in his life in Egypt might have made him forget about his pain and the challenges that he had been through. I was not there. But when they surfaced again and he heard them acknowledge that, you see, that the thing that they did to him was the reason why they had ill luck. I guess that's why he cried. That these guys actually understood that they did me wrong. And they acknowledged that, you know, God is faithful. That's the coincidence of, of that moment for him to hear that. And he was trying to reunite his family to himself. So he didn't want to unveil himself. He wanted them to go back and bring fam- um, his last, um, his um, immediate brother, actually. So the amazing fact about this story is this. These are real life stories that happened in the, in the Israeli culture. And they are so blessing. They are so amazing, rather. They are so, they're so real to me because the Bible has in-depth wisdom that can apply to all walks of life. So why this is very, very paramount for me and is simple. If you want to be a servant leader, you must understand that your job is about stewardship, accountability, being proactive, you know, asking, instead of complaining or blaming the next person, owning situations and translating this into something better is what servant leaders do. With this few thoughts, you can be able to affect any space you find yourself, especially in your space of influence. It's quite important that you understand these skills. These skill sets, they are, you know, they are soft skills anyways. So, thank you so much for joining this broadcast. So, heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to pray first for anyone who's listening to me who needs to give a life to Christ, who believes that they need a relationship with God. I'm not saying, I'm not scaring you by even on hell or hell. The first message Jesus preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It could also mean change your thinking, change your life. The kingdom of heaven is here. So, I'm saying if you need a relationship with God that alters your thinking, and shapes your life. Put your energy on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Make real the manifestation of your Holy Spirit in my life. Cause me to enjoy your fervent presence so that in every dealings of my life, in every activity of my life, I'm in alignment with your perfect will in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You have acknowledged Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And you don't have to hide anything from him. Communicate your deepest struggles and your best wins, your best moments, your low moments with him. 
he wants to know all about you he already knows that anyways <laughs> so it's for the entire house listening to me heads bowed and eyes closed i pray heavenly father we your children have listened to your word we ask that let your word be made flesh in our lives we ask that you help us with an unusual degree of perseverance to be dedicated servant leadership and help us to reap the reward because your word says that you do not ask the city of jacob to seek you in vain help us to enjoy the rewards of being servant leadership in public spaces in public spaces in private spaces even in business in governance whatever sphere of influence that we operate in in the mighty name of jesus christ i pray that our going out is preserved our coming in is preserved that the works of our hand begins to flourish i decree and i declare over these ones i come i connect them to a global economy where they are not limited by their geographic geographic space they begin to enjoy supernatural liftings in the mighty name of jesus christ they will never be stranded they will know what next to do and they will do it they will take action as instructed they will be committed to knowing you and doing what you say they should do in the mighty name of jesus christ if anyone is listening to me and you are healing your body touch that part of your body that you need healing and let's trust god together for a touch lord god of heaven if there's any illness that is above medicine i ask that you touch it and i declare healing right now in the name of jesus christ does anyone listen to me that believes so much that if they touch the hem of this prayer that we pray together that they will be healed i pray for them that let them be healed right now in the name of jesus christ let your spirit come on them breathe on them and cause them to enjoy eternal life in their earthly body suits in the mighty name of jesus christ amen so see you same time same channel god bless you